Ty. You're about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. I want to preach on the message. Uh, And it's called, His Scars, My Victory. Friday was His Crucifixion, or the Cross, and My Victory. I want to read from John chapter 20, and I'll read from verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, Mary what? Come on, speak it loud. Mary what? You need to say that again. Mary what? Came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed that the linen wrappings uh, lying there. While the cloth had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary, Mary Magdalene, say Mary, was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had lay, was lying. The funny thing about it is that the other men went in and they didn't see the angel. It's a bit funny, isn't it? They didn't see it. He says, so, so the angels spoke to her. He says, dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Asked her, who are you looking for? Might put on the AC. Uh, she said he was the gardener, sir. She said, if you are taking him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. He says, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the heaven to send it to the father. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, that Sunday evening, listen to this. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there amongst them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, 
He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father had sent me, so I am sending you. Now, over a period of time, I've preached in this church, especially in this church, for over 16 years about Easter. But never in my life have I seen this story the way it came across to me a few days ago. Apparently, on Friday or Saturday, as I was doing studying, I was thinking to myself, I was saying, nah, I'm not going to preach this message. And if I change my message, none of you would know anyway. And I thought, nah, this is, not a, this is not an Easter message. Come on, give me something, you know, give me something exciting. But the Holy Spirit told me to narrow on, on this, and we're going to learn from this. Because in the Easter story, there was a particular woman who stood out. And this Easter Sunday, I want to talk about the woman known as Mary Magdalene. Now, listen to me so you can understand this. Mary Magdalene was a woman who had felt the scars of others' remark and the rumors that had been circulating about her. The first time we run into Mary, we learn that she had seven demons cast out of her. Now, the first time someone's going to introduce themselves to you, the first thing you know about the person in the Bible is that seven demons were cast out. Seven demons. So your first introduction is this is Mary Magdalene whose seven demons was cast out. What an introduction. Seven demons. Seven de- that's, the, that's the first thing we know about Mary Magdalene. Now, nobody knows what the demons had done to Mary Magdalene, the nature of her demon possession, or how she had suffered because of them. Nobody know. We don't know. All we know is that she had been delivered, but, 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 but her deliverance from seven demons didn't even clear her record. Now, let me give you a bit of a background to the Hebrew um, 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 setting. When someone is possessed with demons, that means that person is evil. That person must have done something bad. Because those who are not possessed with demons are good people. Those who are possessed have done something bad. And that's the irony or the argument about Job. Job, they looked at Job. Job, you know what? You must have done something wrong. That's why these things are happening to you. But the before and the after conversion of Mary Magdalene is kind of juxtaposed between two gospel stories. Listen to me. There is the adulterous woman in the book of John chapter 8. There is also the Mary of Bethany who anoints Jesus with the expensive oil in John chapter 12. And then some even assumes that this same Mary was the sister of Martha whose brother Lazarus died. Now, listen to me. What a controversy about one single woman. Now, not only did they say that Mary was a woman whose seven demons was cast out, but she was also a prostitute. Can you, can you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, if they ever want to identify who you are, they will identify you by what you have done and no more who you are. Do you know Taliqua? Oh, no, who really is Taliqua? 
Oh, Taliko is that girl who was wearing a high heel last Sunday and fell in front of church. So forever, you know Taliko, and not by the name, but by what happened to her, by the scars she had. Oh, do you, you, you don't know that guy? You don't know your guy? How can I explain the guy? You know the guy who impregnated six people? Oh, yeah! I remember. Now, the only time you can ever identify someone is by what they have done. Are you following what I'm saying? Uh, 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 and it is, no matter what has happened, you can't clear your name. How many of us have put stupid things on social media? And that thing seems to follow us for the rest of our life. How many people have done something so bad or something that you later regret and they identify you by that? I remember Zinedine Zidane on his last game ever in this world, he headbutt someone and the only time they talk about Zinedine Zidane in his entire history, except that things have changed around, is that he was the greatest footballer who headbutt someone. Why? Who? Or he was the greatest footballer, but... Have you ever seen that? Where they put a bot behind everything. Now, this is the same thing with Mary Magdalene. It's so bad that, let me read something to you, that, that the early church fathers of the East and the West debated whether these three women were one and the same. The Eastern church predominantly stated that there were three different women, while the Western church remain steadfast in identifying them as one and the same woman, the same Mary Magdalene. Hence, up until the mid-20th century, Mary Magdalene was traditionally described as a prostitute. And in recent uh, or old paintings that goes for millions of pounds, there's this painting known as Mary Magdalene. And the painting always shows her with a half-naked body. Actually, in current uh, hypothesis, they actually said that Mary Magdalene was actually the wife of Jesus since she followed Jesus all over the place. Have you not seen plays and all that kind of stuff that they've shown that? Mary Magdalene, even up to the mid-20th century, was described as a prostitute. Now, on June the 3rd, 2016, Pope Francis initiated a lithological upgrade to offer Mary an honored position among the celebrated apostles in his liturgy. The decree offered a renewed reflection on our story, considering God's mercy and the testimony of an authentic promoter of the good news. Now listen to me, before you think I'm boring you to death. I want to use this remarkable life and healing of Mary to teach us this afternoon how Jesus can turn your scars into victory. Her life is so significant, so significant now, that in Israel, there is a whole construction and a nearly rebuilt town known as Magdala. We went there, isn't it? Uh, it's called Magdala. Magdala is actually known as the, the, the town the birth town of Mary Magdalene. And recently, during excavation work, they started to find precious things that they have never seen before in the whole of Israel. You will find that 
right now, Magdala, it is home to the beautiful Dr. Altum. Dr. Altum, which provides a place of worship, mass, and prayer. It is one of the most beautiful churches in the entire land of Israel. Magdala. Magdala. If you ever go to Israel, go to Magdala. And if you ever want to go to Israel, join me. I'm taking you all to Israel in 2021. You missed the boat last year. Uh, this year, so 2021. Uh, uh, and they took us to this place. And it's called Magdala. Magdala. And do you know the funny part of it? Is that currently, they have spent 20 million pounds building that place. It's going to be a restaurant. It's going to be, it's going to be a hotel. It's going to be a, a wonderful church. They're building the entire place. is under reconstruction because of one woman called Mary Magdalene that came from Magdala. And 28 million pounds have been promised to continue the reconstruction. Question is, so how come such an ugly life filled with mistakes Rumors and disappointments be turned into victory. How? Why exactly would Jesus use what we call a prostitute and a demon, previously demon-possessed woman in the entire story of Easter? Why have we not spoken about this woman in a very long time? Easter, through the eyes of Mary Magdalene, teaches us three things. Number one, his scars brings healing. His scars, what? Bring healing. Firstly, realize that without the wounds of Mary, we will not be talking about her today. If Mary was not demon-possessed, if Mary, in quote, wasn't called a prostitute, if Mary, in quote, for some who believe, hadn't brought the oil to, 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 to clean the, air, the, the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, your name will be mentioned throughout the entire gospel. If Mary hadn't got wounds, she would not have been spoken today. So we have learned by her story that wounds can be healed and the scars of the wounds can actually be celebrated. Scars are a mark left by the healing process of an injured tissue. Mary was a sinner. There's no question about that. But the story that have been circulated about her throughout the centuries have been rumors. Maybe some of you upstairs, downstairs, at the back, by the side, wherever you're sitting, maybe some of you can relate to this. Be quiet enough to listen to this. Maybe you can relate to this. You know that you're a sinner. But the stories that have been going around in schools, in your office, in church, about you, hurt you more than you ever know. Maybe you're sitting here and you're sorrowful because what your family has been saying about you is actually not true. Mary was not a prostitute. Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute. But they say she was a prostitute. The rumors was she was a prostitute. And many of us, we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, those are just words of a nursery rhyme. You know that words can break your, words can break your bones, but they can break your heart. And the Bible made it clear that a wounded spirit, who can bear? Are you like
like Mary, that everyone is seeing Mary and her past is following her. Does your past follow you around like a stray dog that won't go away? I remember one woman who came to our church long, long, long time ago. And as she stepped into church, at the end of the church, she came to me and said, this is now my church. As she left, two or three people walked up to me, said, be careful of that woman. I says, why? She says, she has a bad reputation. I said, really? She says, we don't want her to spoil the reputation of this church. And I looked at them and I said, Jesus didn't have any reputation. Bible says he considered himself of no reputation. This church has no reputation. I stuck to that woman like a glue. I, I stuck to, today she's a wonderful woman who produced wonderful children who are doing wonderful things in this church. It was not easy. But you know what? People were always talking about her wounds. Didn't realize that the wounds have now become the scars and the scars are the things we are celebrating today. Does your past follow you like a stray dog? No matter what you try to do to gain a new start, there's always somebody from your past to dig up the dirt and throw it in your face. You failed your kids in the past. But you want to be a good dad now. You've given your life to Christ and you want a fresh start. But they keep reminding you of how you let them down. You've been through a broken marriage. You don't, well, you don't want to stay broken anymore. Yet your ex-wife or ex-husband won't let you start again. Yes, as a young man or woman, you sold your wild oats. When you were young, or maybe when you weren't so young, and yet you want to close that chapter and live a life of integrity, your old bodies want you to take another walk on the wild side. They say, oh, you are so are you too good for us now? You weren't too good for us when you wanted to share our drugs and share our... <laughs> Let me speak to some people who are like me this morning or this afternoon because there are many people who walk into church and they are holier than thou. Let me talk to the Marys, Magdalene's this afternoon. For all of us Marys that are here this afternoon, you need to know Easter has come. The Savior is alive. A new beginning is waiting on us and if we would step out of our prison cell of insanity and sin and step into his wondrous grace, we will start to experience the goodness of God. Amidst the obscurity of Mary Magdalene's life, one fact is certain. Her life radically changed upon meeting Jesus of Nazareth. She was healed of the demons ravaging her life and cleaned of the alleged prostitution. She was so much whole. She was so much whole. She was so much whole. And you'll be so much whole that she followed Jesus all the way to the cross when all the other disciples ran away. The prostitute, the demon possessed, stood strong with Jesus. Jesus looked at her and even spoke to her while he was on the cross. But the other disciples, even the three that went with him to the Mount of Transfiguration, all ran away. The men, the six-pack, the 14-pack, the chest, that... All of them, they disappeared. You know, six-pack does not mean courage. You know, your pack can pack up <laughs> when there's no courage. 
but, 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 but the same packless Mary was with Jesus at the cross. The same demon possessed was the first person that saw Jesus alive. Ah, he was whipped. He was healed. Mary was whipped, but Mary was healed. The same Mary who thought that life was over is the same Mary that first saw Jesus alive. The rumors even continued to this day. Even on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene, we're still speaking about her, but we're no more speaking about the wounds. We're speaking about the scars that have now been turned into victory. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquity. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and we are made whole. We need to be aware that if we are healed by the stripes, then sickness and disease has no more jurisdiction in your life. Jesus scars said that I will turn your scars into victory. If God can deliver us out of hell, he can deliver you from any addiction, any depression, any financial calamity. This sermon teaches us that our scars in our life are simply a reminder that a wounding has occurred, but a healing has taken place. A healing that lifts us higher than we ever could have risen without the wounding. If Jesus was not wounded, he would not have the scars, and the scars would not have produced our healing. I was wounded, but the scars are there to tell me that I've risen higher than where I was wounded. My twin brother is a biker. Sometimes when I look at my leg, there's a scar there of where I fell when I was young, riding the bike. But I can still ride the bike. My twin brother is a biker. He's got this massive big bike. He told me to go for training. I said, God is not in that. <laughs> One day, we were going somewhere. He was on his bike, maybe showing off I care less. And I was behind him. And suddenly, something happened. The bike fell. He fell right in the middle of the road. I turned the car and I protected him. Jesus has come to protect him. When I got there, I lifted him up, lifted the bike up, and I says, ah. I says, are you okay? He says, I'm okay. And I looked at him. Forgive my language. Forgive, forgive the word I'm about to say. I just said to him, who sent you? <laughs> he just looked at me, put back his helmet, got on his back, zoom, 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 zoom. He disappeared. Just like that. The scars and the wounds didn't keep him down. He got back on that bike and he rode off to victory. And his twin brother still cannot ride the bike. <laughs> Number two, his scars bring hope. Hope. In John chapter 20, verse 27, Thomas was wanted a proof. And the proof of the scars changed his belief. The scars of Jesus in his hands and by his sides was a testimony to Thomas. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If someone is sitting beside you and looking at your scars, your scars will change the belief that you have resurrected from the ashes of, of defeat. Your scars only will show that you are an overcomer. I remember recently, even up to yesterday, 
I was looking at the Stephen Lawrence uh, 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 documentary. And while I looked at the documentary, something stood up. His mother stood up for me. Stood out, sorry. Stood out for me. His dad stood up, but his mother stood out. His mother actually is now a dame. She sits in the House of Lords today. But it made it very clear that right now, the woman, she changed the whole of the Metropolitan Police. She fought an establishment. The scars of her child kept speaking on her behalf. The scars of our child says, I am not going to let this wound kill me. When people hear Stephen Lawrence, they will hear about an institution that changed. They will hear about a justice system that was changed. They will hear about a, a David that fought a Goliath. Your scars are not supposed to kill you. Your scars are supposed to turn someone and tell them, if you believe, all things are possible for you. Your scars are supposed to say to someone, I am not dead. Your scars are a sign of your survival. Scars bear silent testimonies that we have lived through something excruciating, but we made it to the other side. Jesus' scar brought a, re a renewed hope to Thomas and Mary. Thomas was like, don't deceive me again, bro. Because before you said you were the king of kings and lord of lords. You actually told me I was the king of Jews. You actually gave me food to eat. You actually walked on water. You actually calmed the sea. But how come you went on the cross and you couldn't even get down? Just to razzle dazzle them just for two seconds. And then go back on the cross and say, I have life to take. I have life to give. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. But you died on the cross. And then you're now telling me to believe. Let me see the scars. Let me, let me be sure that it is you. And when Jesus showed him the scar, there was a renewed belief on the inside of him. You call in doubting Thomas, but we all were doubting. I was driving this morning, coming to church, and my wife was saying to me, wow, this is Easter Sunday, because she's been to Israel three times. She was saying, wow, what would have happened if I was born at that particular time when Jesus rose from the dead? How glorious was it? I just driving. Without turning around, I said, you wouldn't even know if he, was, if he rose. She looked at me. I said, no, you'll be busy. Maybe doing your makeup. <laughs> you, will not, you will not know he rose. You will not know anything happened. It will be like a normal day. Nobody knew. The disciples were fishing. They left him. Nobody knew. I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You'll be attending the temple, attending stuff, going for so You may be coming back from that rave you did yesterday night. You may, you may, you, you won't know. Early in the morning, while someone is at the tomb, you are just coming out of a pub or of a night. You won't know. You, we won't know. But the power that was produced knows power passes power. Jesus, Jesus said, you know what? My scars will make you whole. If you forget anything this afternoon, whether you're standing up whether you're on the, on the side, remember this one thing. You can write it down. That scarred hands can touch scarred lives. Stephen Lawrence's mom's scarred hands has touched scarred lives. Jesus' scarred hands has touched scarred lives. There's something that was scarred in your life that is going to touch the life of others. It is not the end of your story. Are you hearing me upstairs? It's not the end. Sometimes Jesus' scars brings hope and healing so that we can use the scars of life to bring hope to others. Being wounded actually opens our eyes to the suffering of others. There are many mothers and many fathers last week that were walking and protesting down the streets 
in London because they lost their child to a knife crime. But they're trying to change a system, trying to change a habit, trying to change an epidemic because their scarred lives are changing scarred lives. God is going to use you to comfort someone else. By 1 Corinthians chapter 134, says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. You may have been divorced, but God is opening a new door for you. And the new door will allow you to teach others from your mistakes. They will teach others on what to learn and what not to do. It will be able to be a blessing, but also it will be able to make you sympathetic and compassionate to someone who may be going down the wrong road. Because many of us who got saved from that, from that kind of issue will just say, stop it, stop it, don't do it. There's no compassion. But somebody who has walked that road knows it's not easy to stop when you are falling in love. But God is saying, I'm going to use your life to be a blessing. God used my life to be a blessing. I got married 10 years. I still didn't have a child. I knew what it means when you don't have a child and you keep praying for God and you keep dedicating other people to our baby. But I didn't realize that God was going to use our scarred lives to change scarred lives. It's not over for you. In God's plan, your scars have tremendous power to comfort those in trouble with the comfort that God gave you. And when we do that, we will turn ashes into beauty. Mourning into joy and our despair into praise. His scars bring healing. His scars bring hope. And I close by saying his scars bring resurrection. The whole story of Mary as a prostitute who is fallen and redeemed is a powerful image of redemption, a signal that no matter how low one has fallen, one can be redeemed. You, you, you didn't hear me, you didn't hear me, you didn't hear me. Scars only show us where we have been. They do not dictate where we're going. The scars of Mary said, I have been possessed before, but it didn't stop her from being the first to see Jesus raised from the dead. Scars speak about what we have been through, not what we are going through. Don't ever, don't ever, listen to me, listen to me ladies and gentlemen, don't ever be ashamed of the scars life has left with you. People will talk about you. People will say this is what you used to be. But they will not realize that the scars is an indication of you healing other people's life. What are the headlines of life saying about your failure? What are they saying about your divorce? What are they saying about your finances? What are they saying about you still being single? What are they saying about you not having a job? What are people saying about your wounds, your wounds you're going through currently? A scar is just, let me say this to you. My scars is just a tattoo of triumph to be proud of. Don't allow your scars to hold you hostage. Don't allow them to make you live in, in life in fear. You can't make the scars in your life disappear. But you can change the way you see them. You may have trouble in your life, but let your scars be, heal, be a healing. Let me, tell, let me show you someone who, has, who was wounded and who has scars. But resurrection came. Roll the tape. Let's go.
think he stands a chance of being the Tiger Woods we once knew? No. No, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. He is not ever going to win another tournament. I don't think we'll ever see Tiger Woods win a golf tournament again. He's showing up at these tournaments pretty much knowing that he's, he's not going to be there. The short game is gone. His health is gone. The next press release Tiger Woods should release should be I'm retiring. I have considered him now for the last five, six years a former golfer. Your loss. Just give up while you're ahead. Retire with some dignity. Tiger Woods that we all knew, he will never, ever be that guy again. In the spring of 2014, Tiger Woods was at work on the range around the back of his house, practicing his short game like always. Days earlier, he had a shot. A 78 on the final day of the Catholic Championship, the worst fourth round score of his life. His back had been spasm, but he felt he had to get out and exercise. He stroke a flop shot over a bunker, and the minute he had finished the swing, he fell down flat on his back, overcome with pain so severe he could hardly breathe, let alone get back on his feet. The Tiger Woods before somebody would have been there. The Tiger Woods then was washed out. The Tiger Woods then, they only saw the wounds. They didn't see the scars. There, he, 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 he was there for a while. He was out of hearing distance. He could do, he, all he could do was lie there and wait for someone to come. It was his seven-year-old daughter, Sam, who found him. There, there are plenty more. One could talk about those first awful moments in 2009 when he crashed his SUV into a tree the weeks after when he sealed all the windows of his house with butcher's paper to keep the paparazzi's camera out. Or the private luncheon at the Beverly Hills Country Club in 2016 when he had to walk up the flight of the stairs backwards because it was the only way he could make it. Or how, when he was arrested for driving under the influence in 2017, he could not even tell the police if he was in Florida or California, whether he was coming home or whether he was going for it. He could not say where he was. He was washed out. The, the video says he's looking at them. And they said he would never, never, ever, ever, ever win a championship again. He's washed out. He's finished. The only words that we want to hear from his mouth is that he's retiring. But, <laughs> but <laughs> in 2019, <laughs> just a few weeks ago, Tiger produced a scintillating finish to win a fifth Masters title and end an 11-year wait to claim his 15 major title at the age of 43. There was a resurrection. One thing about champions is never write a champion off. One time ago, there was a man called Federer. You understand? I wrote him off. I, I love him. I love my wife, loves him. Thank God he's not so close. They may have had an affair, but my wife loves him so much. She said, she calls him Federer, Echo Federer. That's what she calls him every single time. And I, one day I looked at her. I said, The man you so much adore and love is finished. He's never going to win a, another, uh, uh, 
What? Uh, grand slam again. But we did not, we forgot that the man knew how to win. And then some years ago, in the Australian Open, I didn't even look at the Australian Open because I love him so much that I knew he's not going to make it past the first round. But he went through the first round. He went through the second round. There was Nadal there. There was Djokovic there. There was Sandy. Mali there. There were all these other guys there. He was washed out. His, his backhand was his weakest armory. They knew how to play the man. The second round came, he won. The third round was a close fit, but he won. The fourth round, he won. He came into the semifinals. Stupid pastor didn't even watch the semifinals. And suddenly, oh, from nowhere, this man enters into the final. And then he was meeting his nemesis. Nada. And I knew he wasn't going to win. But there's something about a champion. There's something about a champion. That even when the tree is cut down. At the saint of a water. He will rise up again. And God is saying there's a champion inside some of you today. There's a champion on the upstairs there right now. You may have the scars. But God says I'm going to raise you up. Easter is coming. In someone's life at the back, Easter is coming. In someone's life was upstairs, Easter is coming. He's saying, I will rise again. There's a third day in your life. Your scars are not supposed to kill you. Your scars are supposed to show someone, I am back. Your scars are supposed to make you look at those who tolerated you or couldn't and, and now they look at you and they start to celebrate you. They withdrew all sponsorship except for Nike that stood with him. Now everyone wants to pay him just to wear what he wants to wear. They said he's washed out. They told you you're washed out. They told you your past is going to affect your future but here comes Jesus riding into your life saying to you no! No death could hold you. Let me say this to you. Sometimes the headline scares us. Sometimes we feel that evil is winning. But then along comes Easter to remind us there's no grave deep enough, no seal imposing enough, no stone heavy enough, no evil strong enough to keep Jesus in the grave. I've got to close by saying this to someone. Your story is his glory and your scars will become your stars. I just miss someone. Look at yourself. Say to yourself, my scars will become my star. They thought it was over. But Jesus says, my scar means the hurt is over. The wound is closed. It means you conquered the pain. It means you learned the lesson. It means you're going stronger and moving forward. You can start seeing your scars as a sign of strength and not pain. See your scars and shout, yes, I made it. I survived and I have my scars to prove it. Don't hide your scars. Share them. Wear them on your shoulder like a badge because the general is not identified by the stars he's wearing but the scars that brought the stars. Scars of victory is a testimony. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, will live forevermore. 
I've got good news for you. You're going to live. I miss this side. Let me talk to this side. You are going to live. What they wrote about you and wrote you off, they put a full stop. God says, I'm going to begin a new beginning in your life. God says, they wrote me off. The disciples left me. They betrayed me. I was in the grave. There was no one with me. But because you died, you're coming up again to rise. They forgot Tiger Woods will still rise again. But 11 years, there was always going to be an end date. Your end date of trouble has come to an end in the name of Jesus. Your story will become his glory and your scars will become your stars. If you believe that, shout aloud, amen. You've been listening to Ty Adeshigba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk. Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939. You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.